Well, welcome back. For those of you interested in Jewish-Christian relations and beginning a relationship with your local Jewish community, we have a treat for you today. We're going to be meeting a pioneer in Jewish-Christian relations and someone who has spent a great deal of time uh, interacting with the Jewish community and has some great words of wisdom for us. So please stick with us. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. So it's my privilege today to welcome a dear friend and a colleague, Dr. Tricia Miller. And Tricia is now working with us at the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem uh, as part of our U.S. branch team. And she is our education coordinator and helping us as we are developing a lot of new content and uh, so we're just so happy to have her as a part of our team. But Tricia also is on part of the team for CAMERA, where she serves as the director of their partnership of Jews and Christians. And CAMERA stands for the Committee on Accuracy in Middle East Reporting and Analysis. And in addition to that, she serves as president of Christians and Jews United for Israel, which is a Boston-based uh, organization. So she has a great deal of experience, and I would say has probably spoken in as many synagogues as she has churches, as she's carried out these responsibilities in building a partnership and also educating the two communities about each other. And uh, so we have a lot that we can learn from Tricia. And the first thing I want to ask her, though, is how she got started. So Tricia, what in your background? Was there something in your childhood or some momentous occasion that launched this for you? Well, thank you, Susan, for that introduction. And thank you for um, being here, everyone. Yes, I would say this is a work that the Lord was preparing me for since childhood. I grew up in a Christian home that was very philo-Semitic, um, pro-Israel, and I never went to a church where I heard anything anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. So I thought that was the norm. And I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland area where there's a very high Jewish population. So I had Jewish friends. My parents had Jewish friends. And I thought this was normal. I didn't know anything about the history of Christian anti-Semitism. As a young adult, I started studying the Holocaust in depth. And it was because of that that I started questioning how could this have happened in a, quote, Christian country? What was wrong with the Christians in Germany and then the rest of Europe to allow this to happen? And what started that study was when I was 21, I was privileged to meet Corey Ten Boom and hear her speak, share her testimony of what the Ten Boom family did to rescue Jews during the Holocaust. And she's the one who really drove the point home to me that Christians have a responsibility to stand with the Jewish people and to support Israel. So that's what got me started. Wow, and I remember when I first read Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend you get it. It's a, a, a simple little paperback, but it's an amazing story of this family and their uh, background in prayer 
and their love for the Jewish people, and they put it all on the line in order to save Jews. So it's really a very impactful story. But Corey herself, who has since gone to be with the Lord, uh, spoke quite a lot in the United States and in various churches back then. And uh, she was really a, a force for the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Tricia, then you ended up actually uh, getting a, a Ph.D. in Hebrew Bible, and you did your dissertation on a, a really interesting subject. So tell us a bit about that. All right. Well, because of learning about the Holocaust on my own after being just, you know, it's one of those turning points in life. Every now and then you have one of those moments in life where you know this is your life's calling. Well, that's what happened to me after hearing Corey Ten Boom. And so I just started studying the Holocaust on my own, um, always with that question in mind, what were the churches doing? What were they thinking? What were, what were Christians thinking and doing? So eventually I went to seminary. Um, I was in, I lived in California at the time. So I went to Fuller Seminary, uh, got a master's in theology because I wanted to study church history, theology, all of that to get a better grasp and the, and the writings of Martin Luther, which were used by the Nazis to justify what they did and to get the churches on board. So everything I was doing was for the purpose of trying to understand why the churches did what they did and why they didn't stand up in general. Obviously, there were some who did, but the majority didn't. And so then I realized that to really have an impact, and I thought I was going to go into academia, so I needed a PhD because academia is very anti-Semitic and very anti-Israel. So I thought, I'll go into academia. If I can teach, I can have some effect. So I got a PhD in Hebrew Bible and did my dissertation on Esther because it is a story about an attempted annihilation of the Jewish people. And I could look at the history of anti-Semitism by looking at the history of Christian interpretation of Esther, which is very anti-Semitic. So that's, that's what I did. Now, you're going to have to explain a little bit of that more for us, Um, what exactly you were tracing in the story of Esther, because we know the story of Esther is a wonderful story, the salvation of the Jewish people. So how were you detecting anti-Semitism? How was this used against Israel and the Jewish people? Well, it is a story about the attempted annihilation of the Jewish people because of the hatred in Haman for the Jewish people. And that goes back to the history between the Amalekites and the Israelites that we can trace all the way from the time of the Exodus. But what I was looking at specifically was Christian interpretation of Esther and just how it was used, even back to Martin Luther, who said the book of Esther shouldn't even be in our Bible, that it's a godless book. It's a book, it doesn't, it's the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention the name of God. And um, it, in Martin Luther's interpretation, and then many Christians who picked that up, um, said it's a book about Jews who love to kill people. They're bloodthirsty, they like to kill people, and then have a party and eat, which is not what the story's about at all. Wow, that's, that's shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows the misinterpretation that happens so often because of people's personal biases. Mm -hmm. Uh, You did your dissertation on this, and then it was produced into a book. Uh, Give us the name of your book. Okay. Well, then what was behind this, besides what I wanted to do in the dissertation, is I really wanted to write about how this applies to Christian support for Israel today and how Christian support for Israel is under attack 
for the same reasons, for misconceptions, misinterpretations of the Bible, misunderstandings. So I used some of the work from the dissertation and wrote a book called Jews and Anti-Judaism in Esther and the Church to talk about, to, to expose the anti-Semitism that is still in the Christian world today and, and unfortunately way too prevalent in our churches, and it's now morphed into being anti-Israel in some Christian circles. So, uh, Tricia, in your work then in um, educating Christians and educating Jews about Christians and developing this relationship, um, what has it meant to you personally? You're off, obviously you are a driven individual with a calling of God on your life to work in this arena. And you've known it for many years and you've pursued it diligently and with wholeheartedly. And what you've been able to do professionally is really quite amazing. But what has this relationship done for you personally? Well, it's completely um, transformed and deepened my relationship with the Lord because through getting to know Jewish people and getting to know, understand our Jewish roots, the Jewish roots of Christianity, which is which we can really best do in relationship with Jews. Um, as I mentioned, I, I did my master's degree at a seminary, but then I went, I wanted to do my PhD with Jewish scholars because I wanted to study the Hebrew Bible with Jews because I needed to learn how they approach their scriptures. Jews have been studying the Hebrew Bible many, many centuries longer than Christians have. They have a phenomenal insight into their scriptures. So I wanted to study with them, and it's deepened um, my faith, my understanding of, the, of our faith, the Christian faith. We have nothing without our Jewish roots, without the Jewish faith that came before us, and that is still really quite vibrant today. So then, would you share with us uh, some lessons that you've learned along the way? Uh, you probably have more experience at Jews and Christians working together than uh, most people, for sure, and we'd like to learn from you. So if you could share with us a few pointers of what you've learned along the way and what you'd like for those of us just getting started in this to understand. Well, first of all, to build any relationship, you need to have humility and you need to be able to listen. A relationship involves communication and listening, and it has to be entered into with humility. And this is particularly important with Jewish-Christian relations because for almost 2,000 years, Christians have had the attitude that we're superior. And obviously, again, I'm speaking in generalities. There's always been Christians who understood the reality. But in general, there's been too many Christians who have thought that the Christian faith was superior, that it has superseded um, Judaism, that we that Christians have replaced Jews and, and Israel in the purposes of God. You get supersessionism, replacement theology, which if you read the scriptures and understand that's wrong, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's obvious that those are erroneous. Um, so the first thing is humility. And um, I'd just like to reference Romans 11. Paul wrote, in chapters 9 through 11, Paul's really wrestling with this whole subject of Jews and Christians. And he's writing this letter, especially in chapter 11, to tell um, believers in Rome how they're to relate to the Jewish people. And he, he uses the image of an olive tree, and he says, Israel is the root of that tree, 
and that we as Gentile believers are grafted in. We are the wild branches, but the Jews are the natural branches. And so he says, don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. And then he um, offers a warning. Also, he gives a warning to be kind. And he says, if you're not kind, you might lose your, your branch in the tree to be kind to the Jews. So that's um, where I approach it from is to understand that we have to be humble. Paul said, don't be arrogant. And he gave this warning in the first century, and we're st- still seeing that happen today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think few of us really grasp what Romans 11 is saying there. Paul is actually warning us of a separation from the root mm-hmm. if we don't handle, if our attitude isn't right towards the root. And um, I think that a church that severs itself from its Jewish roots is a church that begins to lose its spiritual vitality mm-hmm. because it has separated itself from the very root you know, that feeds it and, and sustains it. Um, so, Tricia, you, you mentioned that even today in academia that there's a good deal of anti-Israelism, even anti-Semitism. Um, what would be one of the most shocking um, examples that you've come across? Do you have a story you can tell of how you've encountered anti-Semitism from a Christian source? From a Christian source or in academia? Either one. Either one? Well, because I didn't, I taught for a year after I got my PhD, but I didn't actually get fully immersed in academia. I went to work for camera. And so I've mostly been dealing with um, what's happening in the Christian world. And with that, I'm specifically focused on organizations or individuals who are teaching replacement theology and supersessionism. And that, that to go back to what we were talking about with Paul, uh, they've just taken this arrogant attitude that we don't need the Jews. Um, God doesn't need the Jews. God's finished with the Jews. And if I can, I just give an example of how I learned going back to my the word humility that I was using. Um, when I was in the coursework for the PhD program, I met a Holocaust survivor. He's still alive. He's in LA. He's in his 90s. His name is Rolf. Um, and I met him because he spoke at the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And we just, I went to hear him speak. And it was a, another God, one of those God moments where you connect with someone. And we got together um, at least once a month for lunch. And what I did in those lunches was ask him, I wanted to ask him because here I am, I'm learning. I'm trying to learn from Jewish people. And this is, you know, in order to build relationship, this is what you have to do. And I would ask him question after question. Well, what does the Jewish faith teach about this? What does Judaism teach about this? And every time, without fail, the answers he gave me was as if he was quoting Jesus or Paul. And that was when the lights really started going off for me. And I told him that. I said, well, Jesus said that. Well, Paul said that. And that's when the lights were really going off for me, that how Jewish our faith is and how Jewish Jesus and Paul were teaching. So that's um, the best story I have for an example of learning. And um, what about in your work uh, with Jews and Christians then, do you have a uh, one of your favorite stories of 
maybe something that you saw happen or that you were involved in or just showed the blessing of this relationship that you've been help you've been helping to start well, I actually have two favorite stories. One of them is um, because of Rolf. Um, I started going to services with him. The first service I ever went to at, with him at his, his synagogue was um, Purim because I was obviously very interested in the holiday of Purim because of my work in Esther. But then I started going to Shabbat services, got to know the rabbis. They got to know me. Eventually, what that turned into is they asked me to be one of the teachers for Shavuot. Now, the, the Jewish people observe three major, they have more holidays, but three major festivals a year, where in the biblical times, they all went up to Jerusalem. So Shavuot is what we call Pentecost, and they study the book of Ruth on Shavuot. Um, and so the program for the evening was a rab- one of the rabbis was going to teach, then I was going to teach, and then another rabbi. And in between you have cheesecake breaks because that's what, you know, for Shavuot, they eat dairy and they like cheesecake. So I was totally intimidated by this. What did I, what could I possibly teach on Ruth in the presence of two rabbis and for their whole congregation? They asked me a couple months in advance, thankfully, so I had time to prepare. And what the Lord showed me was that this was my calling, it, you know, put made it very specific, that God's called me to be a Ruth, where it says, we're Ruth, she was the Gentile woman joining herself to the Jewish people. So I was to teach for an hour, but I took a few minutes to give an introduction, because I asked Rolf, he's gone to the synagogue for 60 years, and I said, have you ever had a Gentile speaker for any of your holidays? And he said, no. So now I'm more intimidated. So I started off with an introduction as to why I was there. And I just said, this is what God's called me to do. I made it very clear, my Christian identity, but God's called me to be a Ruth and to join myself. And I quoted that passage from Ruth. You could have heard a pin drop. And you have to understand that that's unusual. Because in a synagogue, it's never quiet. They talk, they get up to greet people. And when the rabbi taught before I taught, they people interrupted him with a question, you know, they, they interrupt, they want to make it more of a dialogue. You could have heard a pin drop for an hour. And then their questions afterwards were, you know, showed how much they had been affected and moved. So that's another thing. Not only do we need humility when we're trying to build these relationships, but authenticity. You must be authentic in your Christian faith. They know you're a Christian. But if they sense that you're trying to hide something, it's not going to go anywhere. You have to be authentic. Be ready, as Paul said, in season and out of season, to answer any questions that are given to you. Be authentic. Be a real Christian. Don't hide anything. And they respect that. Uh, That's wonderful. Did you say you had a second story to tell? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I did. This is about uh, Rhode Island. Once I was in Massachusetts, um, I was asked to speak in a synagogue that was in Massachusetts, but two men were there from Rhode Island, and they came up to me afterwards. One was a Jew and one was a Christian pastor, and they had been trying for years to build something between Christians and Jews in Rhode Island and were totally frustrated. And they decided that, you know, they wanted to have me come and help and try to build these Jewish-Christian relations. But from what they told me, I said, this isn't going to work if we just try to get Jews and Christians together right away, because what they were telling me was it was going to be a disaster. 
without first teaching Christians about the history of Christian anti-Semitism so they understand why Jews are keeping them at arm's distance, and then to teach the Jews about why do Christians really support Israel. So to make a, a very long story short, the, the Jewish man in Rhode Island managed to convince an Orthodox synagogue to let me come speak. Now that's a miracle on two fronts because I'm not Jewish and I'm a woman and it's an Orthodox synagogue. Planned this event, <clears throat> but before it, he knew he had to get this group of Jewish lawyers on board, Orthodox lawyers in uh, Rhode Island or else there wouldn't be enough support. So this one, the leader of this Jewish lawyers organization literally interrogated me for about three months before the event to find out why I was really doing this if I was genuine. And it was a phenomenal evening where he ended up defending me against a couple hecklers who were there who were challenging me. He was the one who spoke up and defended me. Uh, that's beautiful. And I can I can see that happening. Um, well, Tricia, do you have any other advice for uh, those of us that are wanting to just get started in a relationship? I mean, what you've said so far is so right, the humility, the not to be arrogant, to be authentic and uh, sincere. Um, do you have any other advice for us? Well, patience. It takes time. I was I was stretched by this this Jewish lawyer who kept calling me and emailing me and asking me questions. And literally, I felt like I was being interrogated by a lawyer because I was. But it takes time, and they have good reason not to trust us. And it takes time to build any relationship, but in this case, even more. So patience. And uh, with that, I will say that uh, Tricia is helping us to uh, build a seminar that can be taken to churches and to communities around the country. So if if you have if your church is interested, please uh, introduce us so that she can bring this seminar into your community and into your church to educate them about the history. And it's so important that we know the history because the Jewish community knows the history. And they're looking at us through the lens of that history. And we need to learn the really important lessons uh, from that history so that we can um, be careful, we can be articulate, and we can learn from it. Uh, the other thing that Tricia and I are working on is uh, building courses that can be taught even at the college level. Uh, they'll be available online for anyone, but we're, we're building them so that they can be taught at the college level for credit. We want to educate the next generation of Christian leaders um, about the significance of uh, the, our Jewish roots, of um, just the beautiful relationship here and the potential of it and uh, learning from our history and our past that, that uh, we can forge a whole new day in Jewish-Christian relations. So if you uh, would like any information on any of this, we'll put a link in today's show notes to the ICJ and how you can request information. We would love to uh, bring this into your community. So with that, I'll just ask Tricia if she has any last comments for us, any uh, lessons learned or experiences that you wanna share before we bring today to a close. Yes, um, take an effort to get to know Jewish people. There's been surveys um, done that show that 
most of the people who are very anti-Semitic don't even know a Jewish person. So it, this is coming from ignorance. It's coming from being influenced by whatever you read or hear or see um, in the media. Um, so take effort. It takes time. And like I said, it takes patience. It takes humility. But get to know um, Jewish people. Go to a synagogue service. See how they worship. See their fate. See when they take that Torah scroll out of the ark. Um, they call it an ark. It's like a closet in the front, and they take it out to read it during the service. How they reverence the scroll. How they reverence it. They love the Word of God. They love the Word of God. And we know, for us, the Word became flesh in the form of Jesus, but they love the Word. So understand that we have a lot in common and build relationships on what we have in common. Love them genuinely and be patient and take the time to build the relationship. Oh, well, thank you so much, Tricia. What a wonderful opportunity to learn from a pioneer of Jewish-Christian relations, someone who has uh, been very involved in it, has uh, more so than most of us, and uh, so we just thank you for sharing your words of wisdom and your experiences. And uh, so please contact us if you want more information in today's show notes. And uh, we will see you back here next week to hear from another pioneer. And until then, may God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.